clean. Oh, it does work. You people need to get this product. All right, now I'm asking the children here because I do have a chocolate. Does anybody know how I did that? How I cleaned that? Yes. Say that again really loud. Well, I wish I could believe her. You see, sometimes things aren't what they appear. But today I'm going to tell you a story about a man that had a filthy, rotten, stinking, smelly life. And yet everything changed. Totally, completely. So, if we get this right, there we go. The story is found in Mark chapter 10. And it's a brilliant little story. I'm just going to read part of it because then we need to explain how and why it's there. But this is what Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46, says. It says this. Then they came to Jericho. Okay, then is then. It's back in the Bible times and the word they means Jesus and his disciples. So that makes sense so far. Then, way back then, they, Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho. But we've got to stop right there because that word Jericho, it doesn't feature very often in the New Testament. In fact, this is the only place you'll find it. Actually, it's in Luke as well because the same story is told. But it's the only time that Jesus ever visited Jericho. And that's very, very significant. However, when they came to Jericho, a whole lot of history would come to mind. By the way, kids, every time you see a word written in orange, if you can come and talk to me afterwards, and if you can remember two of the words that are in orange, I will give you a chocolate. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read part of the story way back in the book of Joshua when they came to Jericho. But this time it's not Jesus and the disciples. This time it's an entire nation of Israelites that had left Egypt. They'd come through after 40 years of wandering in the desert. They come to a place called Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 6 it says this, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one went out. The Lord said to Joshua, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams and horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have all the people give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and all the people will go up, every man straight in. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark and the Lord blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed at the ark while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days and on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. 
And then the seventh time, when the priest sounded the trumpet long blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that every man charged straight in, and they took the city. It's a remarkable story because, firstly, it's something really interesting happened. This, this incredible city, I'll tell you why it's incredible, because in Joshua here, where we've just read the story, this is one of the first cities ever built in all of history. In fact, if you go to Jericho, you can come to a great big monument that says that Jericho is the oldest city in the world. It's the oldest wall that has been built by men that they have ever found. So you're going back thousands of years, even before the story of Jericho, when the Israelites come in, this is the oldest city in the world. And so this particular day, way back in Joshua, they come up and they look at it and they go like, whoa. Forty years earlier, they'd been in Egypt. They'd helped build the pyramids, but they'd never built walls because the Egyptians were masters of their own destiny. They didn't need walls. They had a great, great army. But when they came into this place called the Promised Land, here's the first city that the Israelites had ever seen. And you can imagine them going like, whoa, uh, aren't we supposed to conquer this? How are we going to do that? We've been walking for 40 years in the desert eating sandwiches. Every day, sand, sand, sand. And now we've crossed the Jordan River. Woo! Oh man, look how big that city is. Look at those walls. Some historians say on that outer wall, you could drive a chariot. It wasn't just a little brick wall that we have to separate us from the noisy neighbor. This was a wall so thick that even a chariot and horses could carry it. And it was like so high, how do we do it? The Jericho people had heard that the Israelites were coming. And so they locked every gate. They made sure that there was no way in and no way out. And then Joshua, the leader of Israel, is standing looking at that wall one day. And the commander of the Lord's army speaks to him. Actually, Joshua was pretty confident. We didn't read it, but it's the end of chapter 5. He said, are you for us or against us? He said, I am the commander of the Lord of the armies of heaven. And at that, Joshua, whoa, I'm sorry, I even questioned. And he takes off his shoes because he believed that where he was standing was holy ground. And here's exactly what the angel said. I want you and the people to walk around that city once for six days. Everybody's got to walk around it. I didn't read it, but Joshua said, everybody is to not speak. It's been really hard for some people, because some people talk a lot. I'm not saying who they are, but just some people yap. But can you imagine? Walk around the city, and there's trumpets, because the, uh, the priests are going before you, they're carrying all the way around. Here we go, I actually took a photo. And got footsteps marked. And these people, they went round it and round one day, next day, round it, next day, round it, next day, round it, next day, round it. Six whole days, not saying a thing. 
And on the seventh day, they get up really, really early. And this time, they're going to walk around it. I don't know how long it took, but this time it's seven times around it. Now, you heard, as I read, what Joshua instructed the people. When the trumpet was to blast a really long blast, what were the people commanded to do? Exactly. Shout. So I'm going to say, one, two, three, I want everybody just to call out, shout. Okay. One, two, three. Shout. I actually reckon you can do better. Okay. Standing up. Standing up. Fill those lungs. One, two, three. Shout. Okay. Boy, you're noisy. Sit down. Glad I don't ask you to do that very often. The Bible tells us that the moment they shouted, the walls crumbled. And for those of you that want to know, they never crumbled outwards because that would have killed the Israelites. They crumbled inwards. And that day, the oldest city in the world and the lowest city, not just because there were people in there that didn't believe in God, it's actually the lowest city in the world. You can't get any lower than Jericho. It is 250 metres below sea level. The lowest city in the world. And in fact, if you're wanting to go from Jericho up to Jerusalem, it is a thousand meter climb. And it takes eight hours. Jericho was conquered that day. So when we come to Mark chapter 10, it's incredible. Because as we read the story, it goes like this. They came to Jericho and a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside beggar. So firstly, the Bible tells us he was blind. <clears throat> Can anybody tell me what that means? Yes. Exactly. He can't see. So if I asked him, what does the color yellow look like, what would he say? Huh? If I asked him, what does purple look like, what would he say? Huh? If I asked him what colour is black, oh, that I know. That's all I ever see. See, if you put a bright light in front of a blind man's eyes, he can't see that. Ask him what day is, he doesn't know. Ask him what night is, he doesn't know. It's all the same black. A blind man can't see shapes. Probably the only question he could answer is, what does your father look like? Oh, well, he's got a big Jewish nose. He's got big flappy ears, he's got no hair, and he's sort of roundish. That's Timaeus, by the way. Bartimaeus, that just simply means son of Timaeus. So we don't even know the blind man's name, we just know he's the son of Timaeus. What a life, being blind. I can't understand it. I see everything. Wow. <laughs> Some things I don't see, because my wife says they're in the drawer, top drawer. I can look in that top drawer or that top cupboard and I don't see them. She comes along, there it is! How did you see that? She's got x-ray vision. There's some things I can't see. I used to have a blind friend when I was a boy. <clears throat> we used to go to, I lived in Auckland, we used to go to the movies together. <laughs> some of you looking, huh? Why wouldn't you go to movies with a blind friend? He can hear the story. He could hear the dialogue, he could tell you the narrative, he could tell me what was going on, but then sometimes there was just music playing, dramatic music. 
And he'd say to me, Graham, what's happening? What's happening? I'd go, oh, Lassie has just run into the flames because the building is burning. Oh, sorry, you don't know who Lassie is, you young people. Lassie was a dog, not a Scottish girl. <laughs> and, and, she ra- and the dog ran in, and, and the dog's dragging the boy out. And I, I dramatically tell the story, and people used to turn around and go, shh. And I'd go, I'm just telling the story to my blind friend. And they'd look at you as if they wouldn't believe you. <laughs> he used to look after the popcorn. And so when I wanted some popcorn, I'd just give him a nudge, and I'd put my hand out, and he'd put some popcorn in, and I'd eat it. <laughs> Never forgotten the day. I gave him a nudge, he put my hand out and he put some popcorn in it. I'm eating the popcorn. It doesn't feel like popcorn. I held it up. Ah! He had given me his glass eye. (laughs) He had taken it out and with a handful of popcorn stuck it in my hand. I nearly swallowed an eye. I went, ah! And thank goodness I didn't drop it because it would have rolled to the front of the theatre. And I sort of gave it back to him without letting it slip. And I remember him sticking it in and going, ha, 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 just keeping an eye on you. <laughs> oh, man, I love the sense of humour of people that, like blind people, they can't see things, but boy, can they hear things. We used to stand uh, by the road ready to cross the road, and he'd hear a truck coming like 100 metres away. Or a motorbike saying, can you hear that motorbike? What? I can't even see it. Blind people can hear so, so well. This blind man called Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And then he heard, because he had two ears. He had eyes, but I don't know whether they weren't there or whether they didn't work, but he couldn't see it. But he heard. Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. I reckon this is the first time in 1,500 years they had heard a real shout in Jericho. You learn a bit of the history of Jericho. At the end of the story of Joshua, it said, Cursed is the man that tries to rebuild the city. And several men died and they lost their children along the way. Tragic stories. By the time you get to the New Testament, it's only a small city. There's some walls there, yes, but there's a blind man sitting by those walls begging and he hears the crowd somehow, he learns that it's Jesus of Nazareth. And so he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. (laughs) The crowd was skipping a couple of verses, but he shouted so loud that the crowd yelled out, shut up. No, you're not supposed to say that. But that's, what the, that's how loud one man yelled. Be quiet, they said. So you're not Bartimaeus, did? He shouted even louder. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, remarkable. Where's that verse there? Come back, come back, come back. This way. No, this. Oh, I've got the lost buttons here. No. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's something remarkable about that, by the way. Very few people called Jesus of Nazareth, son of David. But if you were a Jew, Israelite living at that time, everybody remembers their greatest king, it was King David. And because they had lost so many wars since King David, and because they'd been slaved and put under bondage and taken away in captivity, 
Everyone, every family for generation after generation. Oh, if only we could have another son like David. And so when Jesus comes along, Bartimaeus shouts, Jesus, son of David. This was like saying, I recognize you're the one. I can't see you, but I've heard about Jesus of Nazareth. I've heard that he's done great things. I've heard that he's made crippled people walk. I've heard that he made deaf people hear. I've heard even that he made blind people see, like the story that was told here a few weeks ago from John chapter 9 about the man that was born blind. And by the way, that man was one of the greatest theologians you'll find in the New Testament because that man, when he was standing before the court after Jesus healed him, said, well, I know that there has never been a blind man healed in the Old Testament. And so Bartimaeus may have heard these stories or whispers about Jesus of Nazareth. That's why he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops, heard the crowd, and said, call him. Oh man, I would have loved to be there. Because you see, a lot of beggars sat outside the city gates of every city. They weren't that welcome inside. But people that used to come to cities, oh, there's a poor man, okay, here's a couple of coins. Here's something to help you out. And so when they said, call him, and Bartimaeus says, every footstep stop. And he has somebody running towards him. He's thinking, uh-oh, I've offended somebody, and they're about to, like, clap me. And here's that man, stop right in front of me. Are you Bartimaeus? Uh, it could be. Quick, he wants to see you. Taking his cloak aside, he jumps to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now that's not easy, because remember he's still blind. He knew which way the crowd was, but you don't just walk as a blind man into a crowd. I'm thinking, because I know that if you're going to lead somebody blind, you actually don't hold their hand, because if you hold their hand, they'll trip on your heel. What you do is you put your elbow there, so the blind person can be just beside you and walk without clipping your heel. That's how you lead blind people. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus said to him this incredible question. What do you want me to do for you? Actually, wasn't that a dumb question? Standing in front of Jesus is a blind beggar. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, I have some multiple choice answers here. But I said, I want some fish and chips. Wouldn't a beggar be hungry? Maybe he said this, I want a new suit. The beggary clothes that I have to wear every day, they stink, they smell, I'd like something decent. Maybe he asked this, a house with a view. I know it's the lowest point on the planet, but one of the houses up really high would be really nice. What would a blind man do with a house with a view? I don't think he asked that. Do you think he asked for this? A turbocharged donkey. I mean, I've sat here for years begging, and those turbos, they just, I'd love one of them, I'd love to ride it. But he wouldn't be able to steer it. I don't think he asked for that. Maybe he asked for a PlayStation. It's so boring begging here every day. Maybe if I had something I could... 
I don't think he asked for that. Maybe, maybe he said, a trip to New Zealand. I've heard it's one of the best places. Lord of the Rings goes down there. I mean, Lord of Lords, he made it all. I don't, you don't think he asked for that? No. Okay, so for a chocolate, what do you think a blind man for it would ask for? Yes. Well, that's not the exact word, so you can <laughs> Yeah, he asked for his sight. This is what he said. Rabbi or teacher, I want to see. As if that wasn't going to be the answer. Oh, I love the next bit. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And just after the word I say immediately, when I say it, you look at the man's eyes. Immediately. He received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Did he blink? It took me hours to do this. Immediately, he received his sight. I'd love to say, okay, I've got a surprise for you, Bartimaeus, come on in. Imagine if I could say that and he walks in, hey, everybody, oh, look at that green, pink, blue, red, yellow, white, black. I know the colours, you see, I used to be blind, but now I see. That's what daylight looks like. Oh, the clouds, the skies, the blue, the birds, the dogs, the everything around, are just so amazing. You can imagine after that word immediately, poof, overload, sensory overload. Everything comes alive in his head. His brain is going furiously trying to process People, oh, there's short people, there's tall people, there's white people, there's skinny people, there's people with hair, no hair, it's amazing. He's seeing them all for the first time, everything that you and I take for granted. Boom. I don't know whether you know that they can't transplant eyes, they can transplant heart, kidneys, liver, lungs. You know why they can't do eyes? Because at the back of your eyeball, from the distance to the brain, wherever your brain is in the front or the back, there are one million nerves. It would take a surgeon probably five years to get one million nerves all lined up in that little small space. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are an incredible creation. But to bring a person that was blind back to sight, there's only one word that describes that. It's a miracle, a miracle. It can't be done humanly. It can't be done physically. It can't be done manually. A miracle. Jesus didn't even touch this man. In John chapter 9, at least he made some mud and stuck it in the man's eyes and the man went and washed and came back seeing. But this time Jesus just said it. Your faith has healed you. You shouted out in faith and the walls of blindness have crumbled and now you can see. It's remarkable. I love the story. It's just so simple. And yet, here's some lessons. Know your history. There's a reason you were born into a family. There's a reason you have a mother and father and a grandfather and grandmother. There's a reason you live in New Zealand. There's a reason you've came to New Zealand. You need to know your history so that you can truly sing, I live in the goodness of God. So you know the blessings from the times when maybe you were blind, but now you can see that some of those things that you didn't like or you hated or disdained, but now you have to have them so that you can appreciate what you have now. Know your history, but don't be bound by it. Let it set you free to make the new future for you. 
Listen to the people around you. How did Bartimaeus learn that it was Jesus of Nazareth? By listening, by listening. He had two ears and one mouth. He was informed by his world. Know when to call for help. Whatever situation you are in, you need to know when to call. Don't linger and make it the longest problem and it becomes your lowest problem. Know when to call, but even more important, know who to call. It might be a friend if you've just got a little personal issue. It might be a pastor because you have a spiritual issue. It might be the doctor because you've got a physical issue. It might be Jesus because you have a really, really old, old problem and maybe you're at the lowest point of your life. You've got to know who to call. Here's the thing. Don't ever be discouraged by the crowds. The crowds tend to call out a whole lot of stuff like, be quiet, shut up, sit down, you are not you, you're somebody else. They won't tolerate, even though they say tolerate. Don't listen to the crowds. You want to get the best advice in the world? Then open the best book in the world. Know the stories out of the Old Testament because they relate to the New Testament. Don't just say the New Testament's a great story and I forget the New Old Testament. You've got to know that history to illuminate the New Testament. Jesus Christ will always answer your call. Every time somebody called him, he answered. What about you? Are you in a Jericho situation right now? You've got old problems that you just won't address. It's like an old coat you put on every day. It's just there. Are you at the lowest point of your life? You just can't get any lower? Who are you going to call? The one that can give you mercy. The one that can take away the blindness of you not knowing the answer, but giving you the answer. Do you need hope? Come to the one who can give you hope. Here's the thing. I don't put that thing up there lightly. Jesus Christ will always answer you. Because I know this. The day that Bartimaeus was healed, one week later, Jesus is hanging on a cross. I've just so wondered when Bartimaeus followed Jesus, that thousand meter climb all the way up to Jerusalem the next day. Did Bartimaeus hang around Jerusalem, see the triumphant injury, hear everybody singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Bartimaeus, yes, I know he's the one. Look, I got new eyes. And then Bartimaeus hears the crowds chanting day like a crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Bartimaeus, what are you people doing? He's the son of David. He's healed me. I know who he is. And then did those brand new eyeballs weep when he sees Jesus hanging on the cross? Who put him there? The greatest man ever. He gave me everything. He gave me my life back. What's he doing there? Did Bartimaeus just slink away back down to Jericho? I don't know. But I know that Jesus Christ will always answer you because three days after he died, he rose again. 
And Jesus today can still help people see. But you need to be careful what you ask for. Be careful that you ask for the best house on the block. Be careful that you ask for the fastest car. Be careful that what you ask for for your children. Be careful that it's not just a want. But what is your greatest need? Have you identified that? If you don't know what it is, I can tell you because the Bible says everyone is a prisoner to sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've built these huge walls saying, I don't need God. And they need to come crumbling down. And it may take your shout saying, I need Jesus Christ. I need to be forgiven. I need a new life. I need a new world. I need a new hope. I need to see love, peace, kindness, everything that every, it, the world's not giving me. Be careful what you ask for. So I'm going to ask you some big questions. Are the eyes of your heart open? You might see a lot of things, but what about truth? Can you see that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life? Can you see and understand that Jesus is calling you today? He's asking you to come to me, all you who are burdened and weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He'll answer that. And here's a question, who do you follow? Every day you get up. I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. I hear his words. I've read this this morning. That verse is going to inspire me all day. Maybe I can even pass it on to someone. Who do you follow? And what have you left behind? I don't know whether you picked it, we didn't really read it, but Bartimaeus threw off his coat and he followed Jesus. He never went back for that coat. That had been his comfort security blanket all those years. I bet you it was a good coat. Because you don't just go inside, oh, it's raining outside, I better... No, you get a good coat in case people go running, oh, here's a couple of coins. You beg in all weather. But he left that behind, that's his old life. And now he follows Jesus. Here's one of the greatest promises out of the Bible. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you've never seen before. If you're not a Christian this day, I urge you to become a Bartimaeus and ask Jesus to open the eyes of your heart and open your eyes so that you see the world from a totally different perspective. But you have to call. You have to ask him to come and take your sins away. You have to ask him to become clean. And he takes the sins away. It's not just hidden somewhere where you can dig it up again later. You are forgiven. If you've never done that, then maybe today you can come and talk to some folks while there's coffee and just come and chat with them. But it would be the worst thing in the world to one day stand before God and go, I once could see, but now I'm blind. I thought there was, must have been a creator. I thought somebody must have had the whole world in control. And then I got sucked in by everything, the crowds, and I became blind to people, to sin, to the wickedness. Far better to stand before God and go, I once was blind. But now I see. 
But see, that decision needs to be made before you get to see him. So call out if that's your need. Father, this day, thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the compassion and the care and the mercy for the forgiveness. It's just so amazing to me that this, this miracle with Bartimaeus was the last public miracle that anybody ever got to see. The last public miracle when you passed by. And it's the only time you ever came to Jericho. I'm so glad I'll meet Bartimaeus one day because he recognized who you are, Lord Jesus, and he called out for help. And you responded and he became a whole new man. I pray that's the same for people here today, that if they're in a Jericho, that they will call out for you, seek your face and find you and find forgiveness and hope in the days to come. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Kids, remember, come and see me. If you can remember those words in orange, you need to have two, and I'll reward your diligence. Thank you.